You've probably had one of those days that just goes completely different than you were expecting. You had a picture in your mind of what was going to happen, and then it just goes in an entirely different direction. Like you get up, you get up in the morning, and you get ready for work, you make your coffee, and you go outside, and the car won't start, or you have a flat tire. Or maybe it's your day off. It's, you know, Saturday, and your plan was you weren't even getting out of the sweatpants on this Saturday. You were just working around the house, doing a couple little things, taking it easy, but the phone rings, and it's work, and it's some emergency you have to go in. If you have children, you've had this happen. Everybody's getting ready. It's almost time to head to the bus, and one of your kids pukes Fruit Loops all over the breakfast table. It's colorful, it's pretty, but it kind of ruins your day, changes the outcome. Now, good things can interrupt your day also. You could be at work, kind of just working away, typing on the computer, and your boss calls you into her office and she says, hey, we've noticed what a great job you're doing. We, we have a bonus for you. That would change your day. Or maybe you're just grocery shopping and you run into an old friend that you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years. It changes your day. Today we're going to look at a guy who, his day starts normal. He wakes up, drinks some coffee, reads the newspaper, and then God taps him on the shoulder. This day is going to go completely different than he expected. God says something great is going to happen today, something incredible. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, get it out, electronic Bible. If you've got a traditional Bible with you, get it out. Luke chapter 2 is where we're headed, Luke 2, and I certainly hope you had a, it was a wonderful Christmas. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Joe took us to the book of Luke, and we looked at the days right before Christmas. Today we're going to look at the days right after Christmas. You remember, in, early in Luke 2, Mary and Joseph, Mary is pregnant, she's about to give birth, and they head to Bethlehem. They have to be counted there in a census, so they have to go and register in Bethlehem. And when they get there, they find that there is no room for them. And Pastor Joe said that many of us, if, if we're honest, we don't always have room for Jesus in our lives. Today we're going to look at the opposite side of that same coin and say, okay, then how do we make room for Jesus in our lives. It's that time of year where we're thinking about goals, setting New Year's resolutions. Maybe you're a resolution person, maybe you're not. But I, I think a lot of us probably would say, hey, if I, could, if I could go jump ahead a year, if I could fast forward, I would want to be closer to Jesus a year from now than I am today. I would want to have a deeper walk with Christ then than I do now. I would want to have more room in my life for Jesus than I do today, okay? Then how do we do that? Because unless we're intentional about making room for Jesus, then it'll be like every other New Year's resolution. By, by January 10th, we'll be going, oh man, we, we blew it again. So let's not do that. Let's talk about how to be intentional in making room in our lives for Jesus. Luke chapter two is where we're going. We'll start in verse 25. Here's what it says. 
It says there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So in the Old Testament, in the first part of the Bible, God had promised that he was going to send a Savior, a Messiah, and this Savior would be the consolation or the consoler, the comforter of the people of Israel. He would repair what is broken in the people of Israel. And so basically, Simeon, he's waiting for this day. He's waiting for Christmas. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Would you want to know what was going to happen, what had to happen before you died? Like A, B, and C are going to happen. You're just, you're just sitting around waiting for those things to happen. You're not going to die until those things happen. Like, like the 76ers are going to win a championship before you die. You're like, I don't know if I want to be alive that long. That could be a while. I don't know. seems weird to know what's going to happen before you die. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. So picture this, totally normal day. Simeon, the Bible doesn't tell us this. We, we get a few facts about him from just from Jewish history and tradition. Simeon is probably an, an older guy. He's probably really old. Takes a while for those bones to get warmed up, those joints to get going in the morning. And so he's awake, he's having that coffee, he's working around the house, and God taps him on the shoulder and he says, today is the day. Something special is coming. You need to go to the temple. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I love that God puts stories like this in the Bible. Because often when we read the Bible, we're drawn to the heroes, and those become the people that we want to be like. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like David. I want to be like Elijah. I want to be like Paul. Or I want to be like Ruth. I want to be like Mary. They're heroes. Simeon is no hero. He, his role is, it's not flashy. He's not a headliner. And yet I wonder if that's why God puts stories like this in the Bible to tell us, hey, the heroes are great, but what we really need is we need more Simeons. We need more people that are just faithful. He is faithful. He's never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, but right here, and he's being faithful. And he's making room, or has made room for Jesus to enter into his life. Okay, so what's going on here? It's 40 days after Jesus is born. Mary and Joseph, they head to Jerusalem, to the temple, for a couple of reasons. One of them is this ceremony that is going to take place that way back in, in the book of Exodus, God described this ceremony that every firstborn son would be a part of. And so they are there, and this is an important day for Mary and Joseph and, and for Jesus. And here's Simeon, who, who, by the way, his name means obedient. It's, I, I love that. 
he's been waiting for Christmas to happen and waiting for this Messiah, and now he's holding him in his hands. Here he is. And Simeon has room for Jesus in his life. I think he's a good model for us, but he, he doesn't just decide to make room for Jesus on this day. He had built his life in such a way that there was already room for Jesus when Jesus came. Let me show you a couple things about Simeon that just right out of the passage here, underline some things, write some things down if you want. These are some things that we see about Simeon. First, it says that Simeon was led by the Spirit of God. So did you, did you catch that? It said, Luke tells us that Simeon was moved by the Spirit. I would underline that or highlight that in my Bible. That means that Simeon allowed the Spirit of God to move in his life, because we're going to see this in a little while. God doesn't force himself on anyone. Simeon is open to where and how the Spirit is going to lead him. Are you? Something to, to think about. So we find out he's led by the Spirit of God. We also find out Simeon was taught by the Word of God. So he's at the temple to take part in this ceremony, underline this, that is the custom that the law required. God instructed the Israelites about this ceremony back in Exodus 13. It's like 14, 1500 years earlier. Simeon knew that. The foundation of his life is the Bible. It is God's words. So again, I would, I would ask us, where does the Bible have a place in our lives? You know, it's, it's that time of year, I think a lot of us, um, we start to set goals again, and, and one of those goals might be, I want to get disciplined into reading my Bible consistently. I want to I get back to that. Maybe you're like, that was my goal last year, I made it a little ways, but I didn't do so great, but it's a fresh start, it's a new year. And so I want to get that discipline going on in my life again. I put a bunch of resources in your app so you can uh, look in there, some great online resources. L let me say this. If you're someone who's going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself into the Bible on a consistent basis this year. There are reading plans in some of those resources, but let me say this. You, you hear people go, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I always hear that. It sounds really good. It's a lot of reading, and probably most people aren't going to read through the Bible in a year, if we're just honest. Find a reading plan that's realistic for you. Because if you take on some huge thing, you get two weeks into the year, and you're like, I've already missed three or four days, and I'm so far behind, I, I might as well just stop. Find something that works for you. There are a ton of great reading plans in those resources. Check them out. Simeon, led by the Spirit of God, he's taught by the Word of God, and Simeon is obedient to the will of God. Verse 25, you can underline this. He is righteous and devout. He is waiting. Right? Just like God asked him to do. He's waiting for this Messiah. It's not flashy. He doesn't, it's not this sexy job that everybody wants. He's just waiting and waiting and waiting. And waiting is boring. But that's what he's doing. He's waiting. He's being faithful to what God asked him to do. And isn't, 
Isn't that living in the will of God, just being faithful to what God asks you to do? He's waiting for Christmas. We don't know a lot more about Simeon. He's never mentioned again. So what we hear is that he's led by the Spirit, he's taught by the Word, and he's obedient to the will of God. Maybe just something to take today is just to go, hey, ask yourself, how am I doing in these, in these areas? Go back to Luke with me. Simeon is going to, he's actually going to praise God now. In fact, he's going he's to sing a song. He's got a little ditty here. We're just going to read it for you all's sake. But it's, it's this song that shows us instruction on how we can make room for Jesus. Because again, if we, if we are going to look down the road a year and we go, I want to get to the end of next year and, and be closer, have a deeper walk with Jesus, make, have more room in my life for Jesus, how are we going to get there? And we're all on this spiritual journey. We're all exploring this, but how are we going to get there? And I think Simeon clues us in a little bit. Verse 29, he says, Sovereign God, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So we get this picture, how to make room in our lives for Jesus. If you're here and you're just going, I want to know what it looks like to make more room in my life. I want to have that deeper walk. And you might be here and you go, hey, I've been following Jesus for years. I've been following Jesus for decades. Fine, great. But there's always room to grow. There's always more space to give to Jesus. There's always corners of our heart that we're yet to surrender to God. So, so great. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm totally new to this Jesus thing. I'm just exploring the idea of giving Jesus any room in my life. Or, or you're anywhere in between all of those. Great, this, this works. This is going to give us a great picture on this journey, how we give more room in our lives to Jesus. I, I mean, to me, if you're ever going to make a New Year's resolution, giving more room to Jesus in your life sounds like a pretty good one to me. Here's what Simeon does. He's going to do two things. We're keeping it real practical this morning. Number one... Simeon gives credit to God, gives God credit for what he has done. So he starts this song and he says, as you have promised. He looks back on the goodness of God. So let me ask you this question. Just ponder this for a moment. Were there moments in the past year, moments where you weren't sure how you were going to make it through. Moments where you, you weren't sure you were going to survive. It could be a relationship was falling apart. Maybe a relationship ended. It could be a bill that came that you didn't know how you would ever pay it. It could be a health diagnosis that just knocked you off your feet. It could have just been a day where your kids were being awful and you were like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next hour, let alone the day or to the end of the year. Did you have moments like that? 
Let me ask you another question. Did you make it? And it's sort of a silly question because if you're listening to my voice, you made it. God is still with you. God keeps his promises. And so this is Simeon. This is his first praise. This is his go-to. God, you've brought me this far. You've kept your promises. I don't know if you've ever just reflected, just sort of taken an inventory of what God has done for you. When you do that, you realize, well, God has brought me this far. He's not going to forget about me. He's not just going to drop me now. And, And there's this tremendous peace when we recall God's goodness and his faithfulness in our life. And and maybe right now you're living a moment where you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get through what I'm going through right now. And when you, but when you look back and you see God's goodness showing up in your life time and time again, and it might not look like what you thought it should look like, but he's walked you through all kinds of moments, you start to realize that you can believe he'll show up again. You can trust that he's going to show up for you again. And so this is what Simeon does. Lord, as you have promised, here is this Messiah. I would encourage you to take some time, maybe this week. Maybe it's just talking to God while you're on your daily commute in the car. Maybe, it's, maybe you need to step back, get some quiet time, get alone where you can write some things down. Maybe it's around a table with your family or friends. And... Just give God credit for what he has walked you through. Especially those moments where you weren't sure how you were going to make it. How did God work to see you through those things? And if you're kind of like, where do I even start this? What would that look like? I put a bunch of verses in your app. There are some great verses in the Bible I think can kind of direct your thinking on this and focus you. I put those in the apps, you can check those out. So first, Simeon, he gives credit to God for what he's done. And then look at this, number two. Simeon gives God permission to do what he wants. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You don't like that word permission. You don't like the idea of us giving God permission because God doesn't need our permission. God can do whatever God wants to do. And, and here's the thing, you're right. God is God. He can do whatever he wants to do, anytime, anywhere, any way that he wants to do it. But he doesn't. He doesn't force himself on us. So Simeon is able to go, God, now that I've seen the Messiah, you kept your promise. God, whatever you want with my life, even if if today is my last day, If you want to make room for God to move and to work in your life, I would ask, have you given him that permission? Have you given him that space to work in your life? See, see, think about this. If you still don't like that permission thing, think about this. I have little kids, and I don't understand why, but for whatever whatever reason, sometimes my kids get mad at me. And sometimes when they get mad at me, they go to their room, and sometimes when they go to their room, they close the door, and sometimes when they close the door. They slam the door. I know it's never happened in your home. It has happened in mine. You'll just have to take my word for it. 
So here's the deal. It's my house. It's my door. That bedroom they're hanging out in, my bedroom, they don't pay the mortgage. I, I can go in there anytime I want. I can barge through that door. I can kick the door down. Shoot, I'll take the hinges off. They don't even get a door anymore. <laughs> but do I want to do that? No, I don't want to do that. Because if we have to get to that point, obviously something is broken in our relationship. Something's not right there. I want my kids to want me to come into their room. I want my kids to think their room is the safest place on the planet and it's even better when dad is in there with them because they've asked me to come in and play games with them and have fun with them. See, God can do whatever God wants to do. Your life is like that bedroom with that, that you can go in and slam that door. God can come in anytime he wants. But he doesn't force his way into your life. He wants to give that, he wants to give you the opportunity to give him that space. It's hard to do that because we want to be able to do things ourselves. That's why we love New Year's resolutions. We can accomplish something. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. I'm going to spend less time staring at my phone. I'm going to fix that broken relationship. I'm going to do those projects around the house. I wonder if maybe we need to just say, this could be your New Year's resolution. God, move in my life however you want to move. Oh my gosh, that's hard. Oh. I wonder how it might change your entire life if you gave God that space. Maybe today you need to give God that room to move in your life, however he wants to move. Is that too hard? 